Well, hello there, and welcome to episode 31 of the Classic Rock Podcast. For those about to pod, we salute you. In this episode, we look back at 2013 in my year in rock. We have a look at the most recent rock news. We also dig around for hidden gems, and we dissect rock cliches. So without further ado, here he is, in person... Sitting four feet away from me, as opposed to 400 miles away, it's Brian Maley, everyone. Hello, Matthew. Hello. I can see you. Uh, and, and I can see you too, yes. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's because we're four feet apart. Exactly. Yeah, How are you, mate? I'm, I'm doing all right. Good weekend? It's been all right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've enjoyed it, bro. <laughs> um, come up yesterday, and um, yeah, it's good. Good. You brought, you brought good weather with you as well, too. Well, you're welcome. Yeah, I brought... The, Southern, sunny southern weather. Yeah. Um, that's been good. That's a bit weird, isn't it? In the same room. I know. We've done 30 episodes um, over Zoom. And, it's uh, the first time I've worn a pair of jeans for a podcast. Yeah, let's not, let's not go into that. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, we've dressed, we dressed up especially. Okay, so so with our merch, I'm, I'm wearing our merchandise... T-shirts? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's very good. Look at that. Yeah. Oh, my little face poking out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so why were you in Edinburgh, Matthew? Apart from 400 miles to record our podcast. It's uh, a good question, actually. No, I am... Um, well, my, oh, we came to see a gig, didn't we? I we did. To, we came, we to, came see to see you, yeah. primarily, and to go to a gig. But we'll get to gigs later, yes, won't we? Yes, we will. So, um, so news time, Brian. What has caught your eye what with the news? Tap her back. The tap right again. Set your amplifiers for 11. Spinal Tap 2 will be released 2024. That's right. Um, to mark the 40th anniversary, I feel old, the 40th anniversary of the first film. That's right. So uh, that'll be excellent. Most yep. excellent. Yeah, that's true. No, you get, that's Wayne's World, not Oh, Spinal okay, Tap. okay. Um, Hello, yeah. Cleveland. That's, it's coming out on the actual... Day, yes, for 40. I think it's very specific, isn't it? Uh, it's putting yourself under pressure, isn't it? It really done. is, yeah. But anyway, it should be good. I'm, I'm, well, I hope it's going to be good. Not all sequels are good, of course. Um, some of them miss the mark. Others are good. I mean, Wayne's World 2 is good, let's yeah. say. Just using that as an example. Not the greatest example, but, you know. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, it should be exciting. So the premise of the film... Mm -hmm is the f something to do with a contract that's been found by the widow of the manager of the band, which basically says that Spinal Tap have got to do one more gig. They've got to get back together again. Otherwise, I don't know what happens. But, yeah, so it should be interesting. And lots of... We're, we're being told that Rob Reiner, who's back directing the movie, is Marty DeBerge. Marty DeBerge, of course, yeah. Um, and there's going to be lots of special guests. And And... When you think of the, the album that they recorded, which, do you remember the last time they did, uh, the last time that they played live, I remember they played the Freddie Mercury tribute. They did. And the, the album that they, was it Break the... Break Like the Wind. Break Like the Wind. And they had Steve Vai, Brian May, everybody turned up on the album. So I'm expecting lots of um, guest artists. Yeah. Every, well, yeah, people will be queuing up to be part of it. Aussie. Ozzy will be in it. Ozzy actually think it's all based, thinks it's based on him. <laughs> I was reading, um, I was reading um, Mick Wall's book about Black Sabbath, 
And uh, when Ozzy saw, this is true, actually. Uh -huh, okay. When Ozzy saw the original Spinal Tap, he thought it was a, he actually thought it was a documentary. And he thought, it, <laughs> he thought, he thought it was, he thought it was kind of based on, you know, his life of sorts. So we shall see. We shall see how that, how that goes. And news for you? Um, yeah, well, the Choir Boys feud rumbles on. So this is an interesting, take an interesting turn, actually. So as we discussed, I think, a couple of episodes ago, Spike from the Choir Boys, one of the founding members of the Choir Boys, has been fired in fairly kind of um, acrimonious circumstances. Unceremoniously. Yeah, indeed. Um, and he started to put together... He started to reform the original Choir Boys, basically, uh, with Guy Bailey and Nigel Mogg, who were in the original band back in the late late 80s, early mm -hmm. 90s. So yeah. it's an interesting development. So you've got the kind of the new existing Choir Boys and the reformed original Choir Boys. I don't know, it's getting very confusing. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but it's quite interesting to watch it unfold. Somebody has to have the name Choir well, Boys. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that'll I'm, be the interesting. Yeah, the new choir boys, the original choir <laughs> boys, and Spike's choir boys. Exactly. We'll see. Yeah, because there was always that kind of is that a trademark around names. I remember when, um, I mean, basically Sharon Osbourne owns the. Uh, oh, this comes from that book again that I read recently. Uh, Sharon Osbourne owns the uh, the rights to the Black Sabbath name. So when Heaven and Hell, when Roddy Dio got back with. Uh, Saudi Iomi, and Giza, Giza, and uh, Carmine Apice, I think it was. Um, Vinnie Apice. Was it, oh, it was Vinnie, yes. Um, uh, they uh, they weren't, weren't able to call themselves Black Sabbath, they had to call themselves, obviously, they chose heaven and hell. Anyway, we digress. So, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. And Metallica have got... Oh, I love this story. This <laughs> Metallica have, have officially got their youngest ever fan... Uh, I was reading um, earlier today that a, a mega uber fan of Metallica in Brazil, 39 weeks pregnant, went to see Metallica yeah. and she gave birth to her, uh, to her son. Mm. Can you guess the name of her son? Uh, well, it's got to be James Robert Lars Kirk. <laughs> Kirk. It's got to be. Close. Okay. Luan. Oh, okay, well, I was close. Yeah, uh, yeah. So um, she, uh, her son, her son, she gave birth to the to, as she said herself, to the music of Enter Sandman. Yeah, yeah. Bonkers. It's a bit. I'm thirty nine <laughs> weeks pregnant. I mean that that is that is real commitment, isn't it? You know, yeah. you're virtually about to give birth. Well, she did give birth. Yeah. And, but she decided instead of taking it easy at home, putting her feet up, as they say, she decided to go to a Talica gig, mm -hmm. which I'm, I'm quite surprised about. But, but it worked out okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah mum and boy are doing very, very, very well. As pictures, they say. pictures on social media and Instagram, etc. Yeah, indeed. Another thing that's caught my eye recently, Brian, is a documentary about the, uh, the late Bon Scott. Um, it, it's to celebrate what would have been his 75th birthday, and it's called On the Brink. Now, it's worth watching. It's very interesting in that it charts his, his life story, basically, uh, from when he moved to Australia as a, as a young lad through to his un untimely death in 1980. So, um, 
Yeah, I would recommend everyone to check it out. It's 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 nicely done. It's an introduction by Brian Johnson, the current singer of ACDC, which is which is quite nice, quite a nice tribute um, to the great man. And it's yeah, it's a good watch. His brother's in it. His brother Derek makes an appearance, um, which kind of gives it some gravitas, I think. Um, I must admit, having lived in Scotland as long as I have, we must go to Bonfest at some point up in Kirriemuir. Yeah. At least, and maybe at least go and see the statue that's there. But it'll be interesting. And I think we all, obviously, we've talked on the podcast about Back in Black and the gazillions of album sales for Back in Black. But when you go back to the Bond era, there'll be lots of ACDC fans um, who that's the era that they like, you know, oh, yeah. Highway to Hell, you know, Highway to Hell as an album is absolutely class. So yeah, it's good to see Bond getting the biopic treatment. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And somebody else who would have been celebrating their 80th birthday this year, mm. uh, Ronnie James Dio. And it's uh, in July of this year. It seems to be all the classic albums, obviously Metallica, had the black album and they remastered and brought out a box set. So they're bringing out a super deluxe version of the Dio debut album, Holy Diver. Uh, it's going to be remastered, live cuts as well too. It's going to come up, come out in July in conjunction or to commemorate Ronnie's 80th birthday, which would be great. Yeah. And even looking at the set list for the show in 1983, it's just peppered with... It's actually a lot of Holy Diver and some classic Black Sabbath era material as well too, and a little bit of the Rainbow stuff. Just superb stuff in 1983, and Ronnie was just at the peak of his powers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I look forward to that. Yeah. Look forward to that. Okay, um, anything else, Brian? Uh, the only thing I, I noticed, um, we've seen a lot of bands that have uh, uh, fallen foul to rescheduling because of band members... Um, uh, falling foul and, and catching COVID. And I have to say, uh, dear old Pearl Jam, who've desperately been trying for the last probably two years to get back out and tour to promote Gigaton, their their last album, which is a great album. Um, Matt Cameron, formerly of Soundgarden and now of Pearl Jam, um, came down with COVID and the band soldiered on with Josh Klinghoffer. <laughs> yep, top name. Top name. Who's the former uh, guitarist in the Red Hot Chili Pepper? Who's now the touring guitarist in Pearl Jam? So he was on drums. They enlisted Dave Cruzen, who's their original drummer. They even got a college student out of the audience to play drums as well too. So Pearl Jam were not letting COVID um, spoil their uh, their shows at the I think it was the Oakland Coliseum. And everything was going well and they were fighting on through. And then poor Jeff Emmett, uh, the bass player in Poor Jam, came down with, with COVID. Uh, so unfortunately, they've had to uh, cancel a couple of the shows in the tour and will be rescheduled. But it was great to see Pearl Jam trying to power on through with all of the challenges of COVID. Mm. Yeah. Um, so that that's that's the final thing in news for me. Very good. Mm. Very good indeed. Um, so recently we've been to a few gigs between yeah, us. We have indeed. Including last night. It was great last night, wasn't he? Jeff Tate. Yeah. So last time we went to see um, Jeff Tate, who was the singer in Queensryche. Now he's at a tiny little club. Bannermans. A place called Bannermans in Edinburgh. That's been, what, 200 people there? 
F that. Yeah. Sold out. It was sold out. Yeah. And uh, great show. Fantastic show. Um, two hours, basically. Uh, yeah. did two albums, um, Empire and Rage for Order. That's correct, yes. Great stuff. It was really good. I mean, I was I'm not was never the biggest Queensryche fan. I know the you know the hits as mm-hmm. it were. Um, yeah, tremendous gig. He, he was, and the 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 young band that he had with him as well too. Couple couple of Glaswegians, a young American guy, um, uh, a young fellow from Kilkenny in Ireland. True. Um, one of your own. One of my, one of our own. A very, very, very uh, accomplished band, and yeah, um, Jeff. Jeff was. Uh, it was a small club venue. Um, quite a lot of sequencing and keyboards and backing tracks used to complement. Because for anybody who knows the Empire album and Rage for Order, Queensrÿche always had a very symphonic sound live. Um, and he did the material justice. And as you say, Matt, um, he came out and blasted through Rage for Order, um, took a short break, and then came out and did Empire, which obviously has got Best I Can, Silent Lucidity, uh, belted them all out. And quite a funny guy as well, too. He was he was connecting with the audience. And, and there was a couple of times, I think you and I were looking at each other going, Jeff Tate sold out, you know, in, in their in their peak of their powers, Grammy Awards, selling out arenas in America, and here he was playing in the club. And do you know what? Thoroughly and enjoying himself. He's had a week in Scotland, and he's just loving it. Yeah. It's great to see him. Yeah, he did. Uh, it did seem like he was on good form, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And as he said, living the dream, playing in Bannermans in Edinburgh. The thing, what, I think, tell one thing I noticed though, because um, I've never been to a gig in Scotland before. Um, the the audience were kind of heckling the singer. So normally I go and watch gigs in London or in you know in, the, in that sort of part of the world, and everyone's quite reverential. Someone, someone someone's doing some uh, you know in between song chat or yeah. a little monologue, and everyone sort of you know stands listening and all the rest of it. In Scotland, people are shouting things out. Yeah. Uh, we can't repeat any of them, unfortunately. <laughs> but it was some of it was quite funny, and you know it's like don't let, let the poor guy you know do his little spiel. He does a little story about um, grocery shopping, grocery shopping, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, and and some guy shouted out that it was something to do with supermarket sweep. You know, Dale, <laughs> Dale, Dale, Dale Winton. How, how how would you get the connection between silent the Grammy Award winning Silent Lucidity mm. and Dale Winton? I know. <laughs> I know, yeah, that's quite noticeable, Banter, b- bantering and, and heckling the, um, yeah. the, the the singer. But yeah, he was good. He but was we're good. off to, Tremendous. obviously we've all committed as as a, as, a, as the 200 people uh, in the audience last night. Jeff Jeff has invited us all to Peru to Machu Picchu. Yeah. Um, and we all said, yeah. Well, it's true. <laughs> so we're but going. He's, but he's probably invited every other person on that's turned up to his gigs. And we'll come on to that rock okay. and roll kind of cliche stuff later. <laughs> because um, they're all a bit guilty of it. Um, other gigs recently, um, I was in Ibiza for a week. My wife and some friends of ours, Matt and Hannah. Pete Tong? No, no, no nothing went wrong, or Pete Tong, for that matter. <laughs> um, yeah, we were there for uh, an, something called uh, HRH, Hard Rock Hell Road Trip. Um, it was good. Gigs in the evening, and then kind of holidaying during the day. Saw some excellent, 
excellent bands. Um, really good American band from California called the Mercury Riots. Check them out. Um, a, a brilliant kind of quirky um, British band called uh, Black Tree Vultures, who my wife took a particular shine to. Um, the excellent Chez Kane, um, who has uh, got a real kind of classy 80s sound uh, to her... Um, to her repertoire, let's say. Did a great version of um, the Electric Drill song by uh, Mr. Big. Um, oh, uh, Daddy Lover. Brother Little Boy. Yeah, th yeah. Th thank you. You're welcome. Call yourself a Mr. Big. Man. I know, I was just going out there. Yeah, which one was that? Um, yeah, excellent. I mean, uh, yeah, it was good fun. I really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, I might think about going back. Um, we both went to see the the triple bill that's been going around the UK um, in the last week or so of White Snake, Foreigner, and Europe. Mm -hmm. It's tremendous. Boys. Tr absolutely tremendous. Had to get there early, mind. Early. Yeah, very early. Quarter to seven, Europe were on. That's probably the earliest they've ever been on. Um, they were fantastic. Uh, I think it was a good night all round. Enjoy it? I, I did. I, I was... I thought I thought Europe Europe played Europe played a very canny set. They they focused uh, on quite and quite a lot of their heavier material. War of Kings was certainly in the set in Glasgow, and then they they turned in things like uh, Rock Rock the Night and Cherokee and Final Countdown and Superstitious. But uh, yeah, Joey got the band going, and uh, what can we say about Kelly Hansen? Fantastic. What a what a what a singer Kelly Hansen of Foreigner, tremendous good band. Mick Jones, um, the founding member of Foreigner, the Foreigner in Foreigner, let's say, yeah. he uh, he joined for the last uh, two or three songs, which was good. Yeah, um, but yeah, what a what a great band, great songs. Uh, I mean, it's just the greatest hit set, basically. It was, it was, yeah, it was, it was Foreigner, and I think he Kelly Kelly worked the audience well. Um, there was a lot of love. And respect between all three bands. You know, Joey Tempest was bigging up Foreigner and, and White Snake, and, and the same with Kelly Hansen. And then when uh, DC hit the stage. Indeed. With uh, David Covenants. David Covenants. Mm. Yeah, tremendous. Um, yeah, farewell tour for the great man, of course. Yeah. It's quite emotional. Yeah. 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 Well, for you. It was. It was, uh, it was David. Um, I've seen White Snake a few times, but. Uh, the band, just the the set that he chose to play, figured around, slide it in, and the nineteen eighty seven album. The band was fantastic. They and the new additions to the band as well too. Tanya O'Callaghan. Oh yeah, <laughs> she was great. Tanya was fabulous. I'm she a big fan of hers. Yes, she result. was. She, her and Joel Hoxtra were. Oh the, yeah, he was there as well. Yeah, fine. <laughs> and and uh, two keyboard players. I know, too, yeah, yeah, that's interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, Dino Jelisic, the, yeah. the young Croatian singer who we both love, yeah, and he he um, he balanced out and supported David's vocals. And I have to say, I thought I thought DC was fantastic. I thought singing wise, he he he, um, he, he managed it, it well. He gave it everything, didn't he? He did. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Oh, good on him. Yeah, it was a good show. Yeah. Good. And whilst you came all the way up to Scotland for a gig, mm. I, a couple of weeks ago, went all the way down to London 
to to uh, three. There was three special nights that Brian Adams had at the Royal Albert Hall. I only I only went to two nights. Our friends John and Sue went to all three nights. That uh, they saw all three. I actually only went to two nights. Um, I went to see Brian Adams perform "Into the Fire" album and the Waking Up the Neighbours, which was the album he made with Mott Lang. Brian was in great form, uh, singing well, to do three nights on the bounce as well too. His band were great, and the Royal Albert Hall was just fantastic. The, the third night was recorded for our live album, live DVD, so okay. look out for me screaming from, from, my, from the for those about to pod box oh. at the Royal Albert Hall. I'm there. Did we sponsor a box? Uh, did I not tell you about that? Yeah. Uh. Oh, check you your know, bank. Check your bank account. Yeah, well, you know we haven't got any budget. Ah, oh, well. Certainly for a, not for sponsoring a box. <laughs> it's not going to be one of those where they did the recording and, and then they're going to notice this guy sort of screaming at the top of his voice. I've seen you twenty six times. <laughs> I like that young lady you mentioned. Her. No, 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 no. It was, a, it was Royal Opera Hall. It was a very, very. Yeah, everyone behaved themselves. Everyone behaved themselves. So that was it. Yep. So they didn't. They didn't kind of heckle the singer. Then they didn't heckle Brian. Brian Adams. Then no. Good. Pleased no. to hear it. So, but good. Yeah, Brian was good, and he's touring. He's got his new album out, and he's touring around the UK right at this moment in time. So moving on, Brian. Mm-hmm. So um, when I was at White Snake gig, I went to a friend of mine, Paul Whelan, and um, he uh, he couldn't help chuckle. <laughs> I could see his shoulders moving in front of me. He couldn't help chuckle at, chuckle at some of the rock and roll cliches, the rock cliches that were on show at, <laughs> uh, that, that night. And it was, a, it was a bit of a cliche fest. was. I can tell you. Because uh, you had three bands with, well, I don't know, what, 150 years of kind of experience between them, let's uh-huh. say. And there were a lot of cliches. And um, it made me think, because we take it all for granted. You know, we've been going to rock gigs for, probably 40-odd years. Years. And... Um, it just made me think that actually, yeah, it's littered. And some of them should be put to one side. Put in room 101, <laughs> I mentioned last time. Uh-huh. And a few, a few were on show the other night. Um, and uh, I think my, main, my biggest bugbear with, with gigs is the drum solo. <laughs> oh, come on. So, so four of them were on for um, an hour. And then they still managed to squeeze in a drum and keyboard solo, which I was, I have to say, I was a bit disappointed about because, you know, you've got enough songs. Exactly. Come yeah. on, just play a song. But yeah, the drum solo. I mean, spectacular as it is. And, you know, I mean, they've been, people have been doing it for a long time. John Bonham used to do one, of course. Tommy Aldridge did a great yeah. one the other night. And, you know, every single drummer has pretty much done one over the years. Neil Peart, of course, used to make a, a huge spectacle of it. But I just think those days are gone. With the drum solo. Play another song. Uh, yeah. Or, particularly with the, th- the three bands that we saw, when you're a support act, so whenever, whenever you know, Foreigner were the, were the special guest of the three, of the three band bill. Yeah. Um, to have a drum solo and a drum, the, the drum keyboard duel, for want of a better word, I'm kind of going, surely it's the headliner should do a drum solo. Yeah. And Tommy Aldridge did a drum solo. So we actually, that night, got two drum solos. And you're kind of going, yeah. what, what I would prefer is, if you're going to do a drum solo, tell me when you're doing it. Yeah. Because then I can go and go and get buy some merchandise. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, I've got to, I've got to nip to the loo or to the bar. So um, <laughs> give, me, give me a bit of a, a warning and I'll, yeah. and I'll be off. Trouble is, I think everyone would do the same. 
bars, <laughs> wouldn't you? You know, 80 deep. But that would be a good thing, because then they'd stop doing drum solos if everybody left. Ah, there you go, you see. That's that's a great plan. Right, we'll put the word around. Okay. And we'll go to the bar when the drum solo's on. Yeah. Maybe they'll die out. Um, yeah, there were a few. I mean, as, as we said earlier, rock is littered with cliches. And, and I think, I think it's, it comes comes down to the fact that it is a theatrical, it's a performance performance kind of art, of yep, course. Yep. Um, both both visually and, and, and of course, musically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why you've got, you know, huge stage sets and, you know, people dressing up and, you know, larger-than-life characters. Mm-hmm. And those days, you know, continue. It's not as bad as it used to be. I mean, it used to be, you know, I remember going to gigs back in the, um, you know, the, 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 the 80s. You know, there'd be shirts off and... You know, it'd be all very macho and, and all the rest of it. I think we've kind of diluted that a little bit over the over the years. But um, you still you still have the you know the classic crowd sing-alongs, of course. Uh-huh. You know, we can't we can't they can't help but uh, you know get the audience to clap, which my wife doesn't like. She's like, I'll clap if I want to. I don't want you to tell me to clap. Um, or the waving, as you know, one oh, yeah. one clapping's fine, and I, I like I, I like watching I, I like I like it when we're encouraged to clap in unison. What I find really bizarre is is when ba- when uh, lead singers and front men are trying to get the are trying to get the bands to go side by side with the hands. Because n- have you ever watched? I know the audience never do it. They never do it properly. Some some go left to right, some go right to left, and and you're like, just follow the. That's just no, no waving of hands at rock gigs. I'm sorry, no, no, no. and long intros, long intros. That we 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 will uh, we will save save um, save the names of the band, but there was and that three band package that we saw. Um, I was able to leave my seat, go down two flights of stairs, mull over what T-shirt I was going to buy, come back up again, sit in my seat, and they were still playing the so- the song that I had been. Big, long intros. No, no, no. No, yeah. no, no. Yeah. I know some of these things are essential. I mean, if you, th- if you think about it, well, before, a, before a band even comes on, we go through the... You go through the whole process of, you know, you see roadies dressed in black, uh-huh. uh, scurrying here, there, and everywhere, <clears throat> um, and you know, put the, put the water out and the towels. You've got to have towels, of course, and 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 still taping the set lists to the front of the stage, so everyone knows which, which what songs they're playing or which which town they're in, of course. And of course, which which city or which city is the city of love? Well, indeed, yes. So David Coverdale, famously, so we both saw him this week, and he asked the question, is London still the city of love? At least he did in London, of course, and I'm sure in Glasgow he asked. Uh, Glasgow was all, obviously, as well, was the city of love. And what is this? I, thought, I always thought Paris was the city I did of as love. well. Yeah. I or is it Rome? Anyway, it's, it's not, I mean, what, everywhere he goes, he asks if it's the city of love. Yeah. Is Birmingham the city of love? No. <laughs> is Hemel Hempstead the city of love? Who knows? Um, but that's the thing, isn't it? You know, I mean, I think there's, there's bands who've not really realised where they are. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of hello, classic hello Cleveland. You know, go back to Spinal Tap territory, of course, having the, having the name of the, um, the, the, the town or the city you're in kind of taped to the floor so you can see where you are. Uh, what's also interesting is where, where bands try to incorporate the name of the town in the song. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's quite. Let's try to ingratiate yourself with the audience. Yeah. of course. You know. Yeah. Late suit, late suit in. Yeah, exactly. Well, anywhere, Chicago, London, yeah, Paris, Munich. <laughs> Everybody talk about pop music. Yeah, it's it's true, <laughs> and, and I think it's it's quite cute. Cool. It's quite a cute thing, isn't it? Really, you know. But it's it must be difficult when you get you know a, a long town name. Yes, Martha Tidful. Lights out in Milton Keynes. Eric upon Tweed, <laughs> and so on. When we were watching Jeff Tate, and Jeff's very theatrical, and a lot of the things, you know, the call and response with the audience, and you know, uh, you know, shouting out, and he was waving and getting the crowd clapping hands and stuff. But one of the things that we we find I found quite hilarious was the way in which band, the, the way in which the band came onto the stage. They had to go through the audience. That's right. So he played Rage for Order, had a little break. And he played Empire. And then it was like, thanks very much, everybody. Good night. We'll see you all again. And there was no way the band could, you know, do that thing of, we'll go off stage and we'll we'll get them shouting for an encore. Yeah. To get them. They couldn't do that last night because that would have meant Jeff and the band walking off stage. And they had, remember, they had to create that little corridor for them. Yeah. For, for obviously, probably for COVID reasons. But they created that corridor for the band. They would have walked off. We was, we'd have been shouting, come back, sing more. But they couldn't do that last night. And I like that because I'm not a big fan of waiting 15 minutes for uh, to get the band G'd up. Yeah, that seems to have died out a lot over the last few years. I, I noticed that. In that you're right, back in the day, bands would disappear. You know, finish their set. Good night, everyone. See you next time. You think, no, you're coming back for an encore. Yeah, because you, you haven't played blah blah blah. You, you, you haven't played, the, you know, the final countdown. Yeah. or you know, whatever the big the big numbers, and so you go through that little game of, um, you know, go off five minutes and whatever they do, have a quick cigarette or, you know, lie down or whatever, yeah. and then on they come after the audiences. You know, you start everyone's very enthusiastic, and then all of a sudden, yeah. the longer the time goes on, people's sort of enthusiasm dwindles, and the clapping gets you know less. Yeah. less intense and the shouting and so on they don't like come but I think a lot of bands have seems to have done away with that that kind of charade of going off yeah and then coming back oh hey we're back what a surprise <laughs> here we are and it's the same band who'd have thought we were going to do an encore <laughs> like we did last night and the night before and we'll do it tomorrow night um, yeah that's the thing isn't it that, that whole sort of game they play yeah, but luckily that's that's dying out quite a lot and the final thing for me around the pant- pantomime of rock is, and when we were talking about this last night, Matt and I um, ingeniously called this Picks and Sticks. Picks and Sticks. <laughs> Picks and the new album. Picks and Sticks, where, where um, you see some bands where they're forever chucking plectrums and oh, yeah. picks out. Obviously, Rick Nielsen Rick from Nielsen, Cheap Tricks. Renowned for it, isn't it? If you, if you go to a Cheap Trick gig and you don't come home with a pick, you, you're, you're in the minority. <laughs> exactly. He chucks buckets of them out, doesn't he? <laughs> I remember seeing the Scorpions a few years ago. Do you remember this? For some reason, yeah. um, Klaus Minor was throwing drumsticks out. Yes. He, he hit... Like he, confetti. He, yeah, because he, he hit... He maybe hit a couple of beats on oh, a cowbell, cow, cowbell and, and he was chucking it out. I don't know whether that exists in any other genre where they where where they, it's like here's a pick in between songs just flick it flick it flick it. Yeah. Who did we see the other night? And I think it, no, it's, I was watching Kiss sound check. It wasn't even a gig, <laughs> and there was a footage on YouTube of Kiss sound checking. And Gene Simmons has got a dressing gown on. That's sake. right. 
Anyway, they're, in, they're doing the sound check, and I don't know how many people are there, just like kind of the meet and greet. And he's, he's flicking, I think he's trying to hit the audience. <laughs> and of course, there was that story a few years ago, talking a cheap trick, where they were throwing, for some reason, they thought it'd be a good idea to throw vinyl albums out into the audience. Didn't uh-huh. And I think someone got injured by you know getting hit in the face with a yeah. vinyl album. Yeah. It's quite lethal, as we saw in Shaun of the Dead. They're quite lethal when they're thrown at <laughs> speed. You know, fend off zombies with a 12-inch yeah. single. Yeah. Um, no, I agree with you. But, you know, at the end of the day, we, we, we kind of expect it, don't we? We do. We expect the foot on the monitor. Yeah. Even though these days, you know, in-ear monitors are the thing, uh-huh. maidens still use the, 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 the front of stage wedges, the monitors, yeah. because they can put their foot on them. Yeah. It's, there's no other reason, really, yeah. at the moment. And we, we like it. We like a sing-along. You know, if we go to see Whitesnake, we expect to sing along with Ain't No Love in the Heart of the City. You know, there's all these cliches that we kind of like roll our eyes at a little bit. At least my friend Paul was chuckling and rolling his eyes at the same time, which is quite a feat in itself. Um, but, you know, we sort of expect it. And I, I for one, you know, I've tried to pick a, a guest. You know, if the sticks go up, I'm, I'm, I'm reaching for them. Uh-huh. You know, I, I've never <laughs> caught one, mind you. I, you know, I've been close. Um, I've got one. Have you? Mm-hmm. Jerry Cantrell. Oh, no, not, sorry, not Jerry Cantrell. Uh, Jerry Gaskell from King's X. Uh, of course. Here we go. I thought <laughs> I thought we'd gone far too long without mentioning the great King's X. You notice I haven't mentioned Diamond Head yet in this no, podcast. No, no, Because no. they never do a rock cliche. Doing that, okay. No, no, right. never, never. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. And we, we'll still keep going. And I think some of them have died out, but some will continue and that's fine. Um, but it was it was it has been interesting, particularly in the last week, where we have seen, if you think about it, for you and I, four of our favourite front men yeah. doing the business. You know, Kelly Hansen, Joey Tempest, Jeff Tate, and the mighty David Coverdale. And it was just it was very very interesting as we were talking about, you know, the gigs themselves. How how much of the the pantomime of rock and the theatrical aspect of of the show we saw in each of the performances from the band, be it at Joey Tempest at quarter to seven at night or Jeff Tate last night at 10 to 11. They were all at it. Yeah, that's fine. Long may they continue. Absolutely. So, Brian, last time I gave you the year 2013. You did indeed. A mere nine years ago. I always say this. A mere, a mere nine years ago. So, um, now, you obviously weren't, surely you weren't still at university then, were I you? I wasn't. At 44, I was not at university, young man. No. No, you weren't. That's true. <laughs> you just finished. I just finished. I was, I just, I was, I was in an internship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, good on you. Good on you. So, 2013. Memories of 2013, Brian. Well, a couple of... Remember a couple of episode ago, episodes ago when we talked about 2002 being a fallow year for gigs? I do. I, I don't think there was a month that went by that I wasn't seeing a massive gig in 20, 2013. Um, I saw loads. Um, it was the... And one of the reasons for that was in Glasgow, um, they opened up... The Hydro opened in 2013, and I saw a myriad of bands. So I saw... Fleetwood Mac, I saw Alter Bridge on the Fortress Tour. Might come back to that a little bit later. Um, I was lucky enough to see um, uh, The Who. Standout gigs for me in 2013. Um, Lucky enough to see Last in Line. So the Last in Line 
which was the remnants of the um, the Ronnie James of the Dio band with Vivian Campbell, Vinnie Apice, and Jimmy Bain whilst he was still alive. Um, I got to see them in the Cat House in Glasgow, and it was the loudest gig ever. It was just Vivian, and just they sounded awesome. So that was in 2013, but I would probably say in 2013 my standout gig of 2013 was Rush. I got to see Rush um, at the Scottish Exhibition and Conference Centre in in Glasgow, and they were promoting the Clockwork Angels album. And for a band who were... um, Every time I've seen Rush, Matt, and you've seen them quite a few times as well as I have, the spectacle of Rush just got better and better and better. Um, And it was probably the best lineup, the best sound, the best set list that I ever saw Rush put on. And yeah, for all of the bands that I saw, Alice in Chains, The Who, Fleetwood Mac, all, you know, Springsteen, Rush were just, uh, they were just a level above and the musicianship, etc. So those, those to me, gigs wise in 2013, that, that was, that was, that was it. What about you? Did you, did you spend any time at home? It would, um, I, I think I think I had a there was maybe a week in May. <laughs> um, yeah, same same for me in a way. I went to see Rush um, in London. Uh, I think that was the last time I saw them, and last time I will see them. Sadly, yeah. Um, no more. Soundgarden came to London. Probably the only place they played on their UK tour, which is fine by me. Um, fronted by the great Chris Cornell, of course. We just we just passed five years since we have, the, um, yeah. He passed away. Uh, tremendous singer, tremendous frontman. Good gig. Um, bit like going to see Pearl Jam in that they didn't necessarily play the hits. I don't think they played Black Hole Sun, for example. Um, really? Yeah. Which is about a bit like going to see Europe and them not playing the Final Countdown, of course, or Diamond Head not playing Am I Evil? See what I did there. That's <laughs> what you did. Um, yeah, tremendous sound garden. Uh, very, very, uh, a very, very busy night at uh, Brixton Academy in September. Very yeah. warm night. Um, also, also saw a band called Tracer. Now, Tracer were an Australian three-piece that sort of came and went, sadly. And uh, but really, really good band. Had a, had a couple of albums that came out um, in the in the mid to two thousands or so. And um, saw them a couple of times in London, but they, I think they just found that, you know, the, the, the viability of touring from Australia, which you can understand is, you know, a big undertaking just to even get to Europe is a, you know, a, a huge cost um, of time and effort and so on. Yeah. Um, sadly, they, um, they, they didn't carry on beyond about 2015. Um, I finally saw the, um, the very excellent winery docks. Again, I think they, their only UK date was, of course, in London, which was, again, fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> ah, good for you. Podcaster in the, uh, no- podcaster in the north goes nay. <laughs> oh, there you go. What can I say? Um, featuring the magnificent Mike Portnoy, Richie Cotson, and um, your man... Billy Sheehan. Billy Sheehan on the bass. That's from Mr. Big, I believe. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, we go to Circle. I, did, I knew his name. I was just taking a breath, Brian. Thank you, but yeah, thanks. Um, so yeah, it was a good year for gigs, wasn't it? Tremendous. Good, good year for you. And good year for albums as well, too. Um, 
a couple of albums I'll shout out um, in, in 2013. Uh, Biffy Clyro. Um, Biffy Clyro released their sixth studio album, um, which was called Opposites. Now, Opposites is a was a double album, uh, which was which was fantastic. Um, a couple of the um, the standout tracks on it, uh, the big single, or certainly the the, the song that uh, resonates with me the most is Black Chandelier. Opposite itself uh, was a was a great song, but it's it's a double album and all written by Simon Neal. Um, and from and for me, it's just set them on that. You know, they they now are a band who can quite easily. Uh, they're a band that can quite easily headline Reading, headline download. You know, whereas maybe five six years ago, for an occasional fan like me, I would have thought, are they really big enough to be headlining big festivals? But yeah. But the the catalogue and the strength of the material and and the op- opposites album um, was the real start for me of just cementing their reputation as great songwriters, great musicians, and and obviously a really really good live act. I'm gonna go to see them later on this year. So B- Biffy's um, opposites album, I'll stick a few tracks on the on the playlist. Um, Daughtry, which uh, which was a great album. Um, this is the fourth album uh, by the American rock band called Daughtry. Chris Daughtry is the lead singer. Um, he was, I don't think he won American Idol, but he, he went very well. I remember watching American Idol on ITV and he did a fantastic version of Wanted Dead or Alive by Bon Jovi. Um, but they released Baptized, which is a fourth studio album. Um, the the lead-off track on the album is a super song called... Uh, Waiting for Superman, really, really good. Um, Daughtry, you often find Daughtry in the in the early two th- in the two thousands and two thousand and tens, um, supporting bands like Nickelback, um, that kind of <clears throat> alt metal, um, the you know sort of modern American rock. Uh, Daughtry would come to UK. Um, played a lot of theatres. I I've, I saw Daughtry a couple of times in the ABC in Glasgow. A, a very nice following, but just has never been able to break out of into playing the likes of the Wembley's arenas, etc. But it's that Baptize is a very, uh, a very very good album. And those are probably the two big shout out albums for me in 2013. How about you? Well, as you said, it was a good year for albums. Um, you mentioned Autobridge earlier. They brought out the uh, probably my favorite favorite album of theirs, uh, Fortress. Um, I know you're not a big fan, but I mean some tremendous songs in it: "Cry of Achilles," "Addicted to Pain," uh, "Waters Rising," featuring Mark Tremonti on lead vocals. Uh, "Father Than the Sun" is a, is a great song. Um, yeah, I mean they put them on the old playlist. Um, I think I maybe have to go back and. Maybe I had a bad cup of tea or a bad sandwich that time yeah. when I was listening to it because uh, well, you can happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, Sammy Hagar, we've mentioned a few times. Sammy Hagar put out the Sammy Hagar and Friends album. Um, and indeed, he did have a few uh, of his uh, rock buddies playing with him. Uh, Kid Rock's on there, so I could knock down, drag out. A version of Depeche Mode's Personal Jesus featuring Neil Sean. 
Everybody's done that. The, the Leopard do that as well. I know. And it's not my favourite song. No. By any means. But yeah, Def Leppard did a version as well, didn't they? Yeah. Um, yeah, did uh, did a remake of uh, Space Station Number no. Five, the old Montrose song. Well, we're checking out. I mean, the ageless, timeless Sammy Hagar, who's still going strong, of course, um, still doing stuff with his uh, with his friends. No, the circle. The, 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 they call it circle. I, it would be remiss of me. I know you talked about those naughty boys, the winery dogs, who only played in their UK tour in London. Yeah. Probably fine. probably Shepherd's Bush Empire. Uh, where was it? No, it was uh, the Forum, Kentish Town, actually. All oh, right, okay, yeah. okay. But um, it, it's, it's worthwhile giving a shout-out to the Winery Dogs' uh, debut album itself. Mm. Uh, really, really good. And it's f- just the three, you know, for three guys who got together by accident, by, um, by accident or the fact that John Sykes couldn't really commit to working to, with Mike Portnoy, because Mike, Mike Portnoy, at that point, having left Dream Theatre, was doing a lot of projects. He was, he was um, you know, he was he was playing with Neil Morse. Yeah, he was, uh, he obviously did a stint with Twisted Sister. He, That's right. Yeah, he did a twist. And he was playing with uh, a band I don't know much about, but I know have, uh, they, you, you might be able to keep me right in this, whether they actually headlined um, Download Avenge Sevenfold. I think they did. Did they? One year, yeah. Yeah, I think I think Mike Portnoy might have been. Uh, certainly, I know that Mike. Um, whenever they lost their drummer, Event Sevenfold, Mike Portnoy sat in on the drums uh, and played with. So Mike was doing a lot of stuff, and he's very busy, and he likes to work very very fast. And he was going to do a project with John Sykes, and when John Sykes could didn't commit to the project, um, uh, uh, Eddie Trunk uh, from who's an American uh, disc jockey, recommended Richie Cotson. And Richie came in, having worked with Billy Sheehan, latterly of Mr. Big, um, and both of them had worked together. They got together with um, with Richie, Mike, and put out The Winery Dogs, which is a fantastic album. And even the second album that they brought out was was fantastic as well too. So a good album to, to shout out. And a band... Who, if you know, if we ever go around and talk about 2015 again uh, on years, Matt, mm. um, the probably one of the gigs of my life in 2015 was would have been Pearl Jam at Leeds, um, and they were supporting the 2024 or the 2013. 2013. Thank you. The 2013 album Lightning Bolt. So yeah. Lightning Bolt from Pearl Jam is a. Is a is a fantastic album. I know there's a track on that album that you love as well, well too. Oh yes, yeah, Sirens. Sirens, absolute. So a, a fantastic year for uh, for new releases um, and some live gigs. So good year for 2013. And I will give you an equal. I know this is going to be a great year, and I can't believe we've got this year left. Mm. I'm going to give you 1996 in the next episode. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I remember it well. Do you? Not really. <laughs> I'm sure I will. I'll do a bit of research. Very good. So, Brian, that brings us, of course, to everyone's favourite part of the old podcast. Uh, as you know, I was walking through uh, Edinburgh yesterday, <laughs> and uh, this guy came up to me in a very broad Scottish accent. I won't repeat it, or at least try to emulate his accent. Okay. Basically, the gist of what he was saying to me was that uh, his favourite part of the podcast is Hidden Gem Time, and apparently... That's widespread throughout Scotland. 
That's <laughs> a really yeah. okay. Indeed. So, you know, what can I say? Um, everyone, at least Scotland are behind me, so to speak. Okay. Well. So, um, yes, that brings us to everyone's favourite part. Hidden Jim's eyes. Thank you, Lola. Love your voice. So, what you got for us, Brian? So, I'm learning. See this podcasting um, malarkey that we do? Yep. There's been a couple of times in the la- over the last 31 episodes where I may have recommended an album and gone, here's a great hidden gem. And then in the streaming services that I use to play music, the album isn't on. So I'm recommending something that I can't put in the playlist, which I think is really silly. It's a bit, really. It's it is a bit silly. Short-sighted. It's, it is. And it, it, it's shown that I'm not preparing not thinking about well, I think we all knew that. <laughs> so I've seen you running around the last 24 hours trying to think of ideas and albums and I've seen the, the, the lack of preparation and action, my friend. <laughs> Don't worry about that. <laughs> so um, an album that became available on one of the streaming services mm-hmm. uh, uh, on Spotify recently is going to be my hidden gem for this episode, because then I can put some tracks up on the playlist. Oh, I see. See, gotcha. it's, it is. So my, um, and you know, you will, you know this singer. Um, um, so the band, um, without further ado, who I am recommending as my hidden gem for this episode, is the debut self-titled album from Steelheart. Do you remember Steelheart? I do remember the name, yeah. yeah. So Steelheart, I was still listening to Tommy Vance uh, on the on the Friday Rock Show, um, uh, and I was at university at this time. This was in nineteen ninety. Okay. Yep. So in nineteen ninety, Steelheart brought out their um, their their debut album, and there's uh, I'll put some fantastic. There's tracks on it like "I'll Never Let You Go," Sheila, she's gone, and Miljenko Machevich. Yes. Forgive me if I've pronounced uh, his the lead singer's name wrong, but he can hit some notes. He's a very, very in in that in that early nineties glam metal era where you had guys who could hit high notes. Steelheart were one of those bands, and I bought the debut. I remember hearing, I remember hearing the single "I'll Never Let You Go" on the Friday Rock Show. Went out and bought the album. In fact, I bought the album in cassette. Did you? I think I bought that set. And it is absolutely fantastic. You and I know um, the lead singer very, very well because he was Mark Wahlberg's um, vocal. Oh, that's right. In the song We All Die Young from the film Rockstar. Uh, Rockstar, yeah, yeah, his voice double. Is voice double. Mm. So um, I will I will put a few tracks in Steelheart. It's glam metal, 1990. I love the album. Okay. Whatever became of Steelheart then? They're still going. Um, the uh, little they, they're one of those American bands who still play in America. Um, I'm not quite sure. Um, Mickey, I think he calls himself now. Um, they 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 still they they're just. They still play in the States. He's got a good social media presence. Um, I haven't seen any hiding or hair of them um, possibly coming across to the UK or Europe. But yeah, still still, um, still about. And any of the 
the recent post that I have seen of the band, he's still singing very, very, very well. So still, um, still going, but no new product coming out, no albums coming out. But the debut album, um, like a lot of the bands that we that certainly I like, it's hard to beat the debut album. And when you hear tracks like "I'll Never Let You Go," Sheila, she's got she's gone. It's just brilliant. It's a very very strong album. There you Good. go, Steelheart, yeah. my hidden gem. What about you, mate? Look forward to it. So um, I've got a I've got a documentary actually. You know I like a documentary. Yeah, absolutely. I do indeed. And this is a fairly recent uh, documentary from 2019. It's it's called Oil City Confidential. It's about the British band Doctor Feelgood. Uh-huh. Now, if you grew up in the 70s, as you and I did, well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we were yes. young, we were young in the 70s. Exactly. We were yes. Um, Doctor Feelgood were one of those bands that uh, came up quite regularly. They had quite a few hits, and they were born out of the the British um, pub rock scene. Now that was a phenomenon in the in the seventies, where bands um, essentially you know played their own material in a, in what was in those days a very thriving network of pubs yeah. around the UK that played live music or allowed bands to play. Sadly, those those over time those pubs and clubs have, have diminished. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the in the seventies, it was a real kind of purple patch for those pub rock bands. And it is a, it is a quite a sort of a well-known genre. genre. Yeah, 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 yeah. And out of that was born bands like, um, uh, the motors yeah. and, uh, Nick, um, Nick Lowe, Nick Lowe. Thank you. <laughs> Nick Lowe, rock pile. Dave Edmonds came out of it. Dire Straits, uh, came out of the, the pub rock scene. If you look at early footage of them, you know, very ordinary, yeah. good sort of blues based, Eddie and the Hot Rods. Bands, Eddie and the Hot Rods, uh, and so on. And, um, and Dr. Feelgood really very much came into that category, formed in 1971. They came from a place in Essex called Canvey Island. Now, essentially, this documentary, Oil City Confidential, revolves around their, their roots in, uh, in Canvey Island uh, in the late 60s, early 70s, fronted by um, the late Lee Brillo, who was a phenomenal frontman, phenomenal singer, sadly died very young of cancer, um, and uh, also in the band Wilco Johnson, uh, John Sparks on bass, and the excellently named The Big Figure on drums. I, I never that. knew that. I never. Yeah, no. jo- John Martin was his nickname was The Big Figure, um, and um, yeah, the band. Uh, I mean, essentially, Doctor Feelgood still exists. There are no original members. Wilco Johnson's got his own career. As I say, Lee Brillo's passed away in 1994, sadly. Um, but yeah, tremendous band, and the 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 the, the the documentary is really, really interesting. Uh, as I say, it's got interviews with the remaining band members, friends, um, manager from that time, and, and footage of Canvey Island yeah. in Essex, which is a very interesting and, and unique place to live. But um, yeah, I think on the old podcast, we've got to put on Milk and Alcohol, of course, rock set, Back in the Night. She does it right. I mean, there were tremendous, yeah. tremendous rock songs that still stand the test of time. Um and um, yeah, it, it, I mean, I was always a kind of like a, a, a if you like, a passive fan of Doctor Feelgood. But watching this documentary made me think, you know, there's such a, a good band, good vibe, great singer in Lee Brillo. I mean, a hugely charismatic character, um, very interesting character. 
And um, as I say, sadly passed away far too young. Norman Watt Roy, who plays with Wilco Johnson, yep. when you're thinking about that pub rock genre, um, and ba- there are bands that would have stayed in it, and then there's bands who kind of broke out of it. And and when I think of Norman, uh, with him being in Ian Jury and the Blockheads, yeah, uh, yeah, you would have, you would have, you know, uh, yeah, Ian Jury started out playing the pubs, etc., and then broke out, and you know, with with Orange and the Lemons, etc., and then and obviously uh, some of the great hits that they had. It just makes you think that England, in general, in the in the mid uh, mid to late seventies. You had punk. Yeah. Uh, you had pub rock. You had, um, you know, um, with the burgeoning kind of new wave of British new, metal. Heavy, heavy metal. So and and playing. You know, we've talked about and I've joked about. You know, um, uh, Iron Maiden playing the Ruskin Arms, etc. It was a re- pub. The the pub scene was vibrant and a good learning ground for. For bands to learn the trade, to then make the step up, and 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 I'm not sure the artist in the last couple of weeks, but there's a few big artists that have come out and said, you know, the dwindling smaller venues now is actually um, not giving bands the opportunity to learn their trade no. properly, to then be able to sort of go through the gears, so that whenever you're ready to hit the you know the theatres and the you know clubs and theatres and then arenas, yep. you know. Where are you learning your pantomime? Where are you learning your tricks of the well, trade? Well, true, actually. Yeah. yeah, you don't go straight from, uh, you know, forming a band with your mates to playing at, you know, Wembley Arena. You know. So you need that kind of um, almost spawning ground, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you do. And yeah, it's sadly disappearing, which is why I said to you last night when we were in Bannermans in um, in Edinburgh, that it was a very old school type venue. Wasn't, wasn't it? it? Yeah. I mean, it was kind of a back room of the pub, small stage, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, very kind of small and... Yeah. You know, 200 people, but almost old school, wasn't yeah. it? And um, yeah, sadly those days have gone. There yeah. are still a few pubs dotted around that do, you know, live music and, and so on. But yeah, they, they have dwindled. But it, um, yeah, it's um, it's interesting looking back. And, and as I say, looking at, um, looking at that documentary, Oil City Confidential, it did bring back um, some memories of that sort of era and the bands that came out of that whole scene. Yeah. So uh, yeah, check it out. Good. Boys and girls. Good. So, Brian, that's it. That's it. Time for me to go. I'm leaving <laughs> on a jet plane. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the man who says we have no budget, his his chartered jets. <laughs> yes, it's. Uh, well, I'm getting a helicopter from here to the airport. Oh, are you okay? Right. And um, and then I'm getting a limo from the helicopter to the plane. Right. Okay. And same at the other end, basically. Exactly. Is it all? Is this all? And all sponsored by us? All on. All on our. Uh, all on our ticket. All on our dollar. Sorry. Is it? Is, is Kelvin paying for this? Does he Kelvin, this? the uh, social media guy. <laughs> yeah. And our wellness consultant. A wellness consultant. Guru. Or a wellness guru. Uh, wellness guru. Um, no, he's he's sadly uh, no. He's got no view of the budget. He doesn't doesn't cover the budgets. Oh, okay. Okay. I take care of that. Fine. Uh, You're is, all right, Jack. Well, we haven't got one. <laughs> <laughs> we should give a shout out to Kelvin, the social media guy. They're helping out with uh, tweets and uh, creative ideas. Yes, exactly. And that is indeed his name, as we established a few yeah. podcasts ago. Kelvin, the creative slash social media guy. Wellness, well, well-being wellness, guru. Brackets, wellness consultant, close yeah, brackets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what is that, a wellness consultant, anyway? I have no idea. Yeah. We should ask him. We should ask him. What, what does he do? Yeah. 
Anyway, yes. for those people that, who are maybe tuning in, to, this could be your first episode that you listen to the podcast. Where have you uh, been? Where have you been? Where yeah. have you been? But um, we are on all uh, normal streaming platforms. You'll be able to find the, the show uh, on Spotify, Amazon. Um, hit us up a review. Um, uh, leave, leave some comments. It just helps out with the show. Um, we're on Facebook. Um, you'll you'll find uh, we we keep ourselves up to date on Facebook. Um, <laughs> we're on Twitter. Remember? Oh, we're on Twitter as well too. What's our what's our handle? Oh. <laughs> Thirty episodes. You still can't remember? <laughs> At ftat pod. Yeah. At ftat pod. Pod. And we've got merch as well too now. Yeah. We have got merch. We have. Yeah, we're going to maybe start uh, offering that. Yeah, mugs mugs and T-shirts and tote bags and, you know. Hang on a minute. Tote bags. <laughs> tote bags. Um, fridge, fridge, fridge magnets. Fridge magnets, fridge hats, magnets. Hats, yeah, scarves. Absolutely. Underwear. Yeah, and, and, and if you, you know, you can choose if, if you want to have, if you want to have just a picture of Matt with uh, Hidden Gem Times on the back. Yeah. Uh, or if you want just, um, you know, a picture of me. On the front of your pants. <laughs> no, 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 no. So, yes. So, we're, um, check out, uh, check, please subscribe. Leave us a, leave us a review. It's a glowing review. A glowing review. Tell your friends. It's and thank you for everybody so far who's listened to the show. Um, over the last couple of weeks, we have uh, hit over 3,000 uh, listens to the show so thanks to everybody who's been uh, listening and downloading and telling all of your friends and we will see you next time sadly I think our next show will be back to virtual again you'll be back Indeed. down and down safe yeah but it's been fun it thanks has. for having me Brian pleasure nice to be here nice to do this in person yeah, exactly thanks a lot everyone see you all soon rock on bye bye for those about to pod we salute you is a Maylee Rogers media production 